I'm Carol Daniel. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of PNC C-Speak, the language of executives, where each month Michael Scully, regional president of PNC and I, interview C-level executives who are leading our business community with disruptive thinking and innovative approaches. We hope listening will give you ideas for the growth of your business. Our guest is Josiah Cox. He's the president of Central States Water. He is an engineer. He played football. I can't wait to get into that. He's from small town Missouri. Can't wait to get into that because I'm from small town Missouri. He is an entrepreneur. And 10 years ago, Josiah Cox started Central States Water. Welcome to PNCC Speak. Thank you for having me, Carol. All right. We want to talk about what Central States Water is and why you started it. But can I start with this football career of yours? Can I just <laughs> sure, can I just go for it? Can I just dive into go, go right for it? Because you look, you still look like a football player. Let me just describe him, guys and gals. He's six, four, two, oh five, fifty five, two fifty five. There we go. <laughs> I wish I was two oh five. He's giving me hand signals. I don't even know what that what that was. Yeah. So what? Where did you play? Yeah. So I grew up in a small town, mid Missouri, Fulton, Missouri. So then I ended up going to the University of Kansas. So I'm a Jayhawk. Uh oh. Yeah. But keep talking. <laughs> I get that reaction quite yeah. a bit. You know, I, I would say this. It was a great experience for me. I was so good at high school. Then I got to Division One, and not so good anymore. Right. Wow. So it was a good learning experience for me. Had a ton of fun. Still got lifelong friends from it, and got to go some great places. I mean, I got to play. You know, in Texas, Ricky Williams's last game, the mm. Texas Stadium. You know, his last time there, and stuff like that. Experiences you just, you know, very few people get to do that. So great, great experience. But but uh, Michael and I, we both love small town. We, we think of St. Louis as a big small town, right? I agree. Um, but you're from a small town. It seems like my understanding is you're you're helping small communities um, in, in a big way. Describe that. Yeah, that's right. So Central States Water Resources, we're an investor-owned water and wastewater utility company. So that means we buy the water and wastewater systems servicing typically small towns, right? Here's the interesting facts for you. There are 51,000 water utilities and 35,000 sewer utilities in the United States. There are less than 20 in England. So it's a super fragmented market. I mean, it's kind of, it's really crazy. And the small systems, they really lack the kind of technical, managerial, and financial ability to run these utilities. You know, it's all, everyone's heard of the Safe Drinking Water Act, the Clean Water Act, you know, it was passed in the 70s. And that really is a law that's increasingly more stringent over time is we find pollutants that are harmful to the human body or things that are harmful to the environment. And it's an increasingly more stringent law over time. And what that means is the water and wastewater system you built 20 years ago, if you're a small town, it no longer meets modern EPA requirements. So really founded the company. Our mission is to bring safe, reliable, and environmentally sustainable water resources to every community in the U.S. to solve the problem for small communities across the country. Josiah, I find that very interesting because here in St. Louis, you think of our you know, water utility as the one assigned to you and you pay your bill. Uh, it's it's pretty seamless. So when you talk about this fragmentation, that to me is new information. So what it, what do you think is important for our listeners to understand about the state of their wastewater and water infrastructure? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, if you pay attention, you've probably seen these news stories where the American Society of Civil Engineers gives these D grades and F grades to American infrastructure. Well, water and sewer is actually kind of the bottom of the pile there, right? 
And, you know, what that means is there are 90,000 violations of the Clean Water Act on an annual basis. 75% of those for systems that are 5,000 or smaller. That means that the people who have like acute human health risk, you think human pathogens, that kind of stuff, are these really small communities. Those, And that's really aging infrastructure. They've not had the money or the managerial technical ability to reinvest and keep these systems up to date. And that's really the kind of systems that we're going after to solve for. It sounds like you went from the frying pan into the fire, from Division (laughs) 1 right into looking at the EPA and trying to give people clean water. Uh, Talk about how Central States acquires water systems. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's all public record, all the permits, these these water and sewer systems across the country. So what I did when I found this company almost 10 years ago is kind of built the database of every single water and wastewater system in the country, started here in Missouri. And then you can go through and figure out the systems that are failing. They keep, you know, failing tests for clean drinking water, keep failing wastewater tests. And we went to the systems that had the most violations and start approaching those communities about buying the communities. And, you know, when you deal with a community that's been getting violation letters from the Missouri Department of Natural Resources for 10 years, it's pretty easy to explain to them that, hey, they need out of the business. And that's really how we started. So you've done these deals. You've done, I think, 60 or 80 transactions in this past year. So you start with approaching the the community that owns this? And take it private? Is that what's happening? Yeah, some of these are already private. They're small investor owned. So think you're a land developer that built a subdivision, you held on to the water and wastewater system. Well, you held on too long. You've held it for 15 years, and now you've got a ton of violations you need out of the business. Some of them are, you know, property owner associations, homeowner associations, water and sewer districts. That's exactly right. It's a boots on the ground deal. You know, rural America, I'm from there. You know, people want to know you, you know, so we're, we're focused in the Midwest, the South, and the Southwest. So it's a lot of sitting down with people. I mean, I laugh. I, my professional talent is drinking bush light in random <laughs> taverns across rural America, right? It's a talent. It's a talent. It takes some, <laughs> Someone has to do it, right? But that's the kind of, you know, in person, they've got to get to know you to trust you with their essential services. If I were, go, if I were to buy a, a business, I would bring in someone to help me value that business before I made an offer. Do you do that? And and how do you how do you do that? Yeah, I mean we're a regulated utility, so okay. it's a little different. So regulated okay. by the Public Service Commission. So it's not quite as freewheeling as your traditional business transaction. You gotta get approval for purchase prices and all that. I mean, a lot of the, some of the utilities we buy we pay a dollar for. Right, really? because they're in such distress from mm. an environmental, you know, regulation standpoint that they're they're a liability, and they, you know, the communities know they need to get out. So, in an environment today, when people have a general mistrust of utilities and some of the government processes, how do people in your communities react to you? And and after after all, these people don't like changes. So, what do you do to overcome the feelings they may have? Yeah, and that's a really hard part of our business because especially, you know, how many people can point to a single piece of water infrastructure in the community? Do they know where their water meter is? Do they know where a sewer manhole is? Do they know where their sewer plant is? I mean, most people don't. You know, you can flush your toilet, turn on the faucet, and that's enough, right? So it's a lot of education to explain to people like, hey, this is a very precarious situation. You've got a failing wastewater plant. Now, on the drinking water side, because drinking water is the only utility you ingest, people tend to be a little bit more aware. So when you come to a community that drinking water issues, they kind of know, oh, man, this is maybe a public health risk. I've got yellow water. I mean, you name it. 
And we talk about how we're the show me state, where the guy is going to come in and show you how we're going to turn the system around and fix it. So, that, but it's it's community meetings, it's explaining why the infrastructure is failing, it's explaining the lack of reinvestments happened over a long period of time. So again, a lot of boots on the ground, a lot of being in person with people. Josiah, I recently read a quote in your ESG report that central states brings Wall Street money to Main Street. What exactly does that mean, and why is that so important? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've kind of talked about how rural infrastructure and kind of ex-suburban infrastructure has been underinvested in for years and years. You know, so when I started this company, started here in Missouri, we've become the 11th largest investor-owned utility in the United States. And at that scale, you've got really got to have big money behind you, right? So we're backed by New York Private Equity Fund. And what I think is really exciting about what we do is we're taking New York money and reinvesting it in small-town America, kind of where I'm from, right? And these are the areas that typically don't get targeted investment from Wall Street. You know, we're reinvesting in water and sewer pipes and rural Arkansas, rural Louisiana, rural Mississippi. And those are the places Wall Street tends to, as they say, fly over. How did you bring Wall Street money in? So I founded this company. Uh, when I founded it, I had this, I'd done, you know, I had designed water and wastewater plants with other firms. I'd built water and wastewater plants and we had operated them, but I'd never been an investor on utility. So I realized there was this need for reinvestment. I worked on a small community where there was lead in the drinking water that was feeding a daycare here in Missouri. And the same community had a wastewater plant that was so failed that the receiving stream was biologically dead. And when I realized that, hey, the uh, you know, the regulatory framework to deal with a community of a thousand is the same as a community of 60,000, there's no difference, right? I realized that the, the giant utilities of the world were not going to go and reinvest in these small utilities. So I got my trusty, dusty business plan. I'm a, I'm a Wash U MBA here in St. Louis, and I was just too stupid to know how hard it was to raise money. So I went out and started raising money for this Greenfield project. It took me two and a half years to raise money. And I probably hit 90 private equity firms. And, you know, I didn't know anything about capital raising at the time. So I'm just cold calling giant infrastructure funds. Hey, I'm Josiah. I'm from St. Louis. I want to buy failing wastewater plants. And the answer is no. You know, who the heck, how'd you get my number? <laughs> that no says no. Are you crazy? Yeah, exactly. So it took, I had to get, you know, I actually had to get some California pitch capitalists. That's how I started the firm, right? And then prove a concept, bought a couple plants, proved that we could turn them around, do the work. And then from there, kind of graduated to a family office. And uh, that allowed me to expand states, so from Missouri to Arkansas. And from there, I started doing private equity speed dating. So going to giant conferences across the country and had a couple firms of mine and ended up with uh, my current uh, investment partner, which is Science Capital Management. And they were just a great cultural fit for us. And that's what really allowed us to kind of take off like a rocket ship here over the last five years. So are you telling us that your NBA capstone project was this? No, no, okay. <laughs> no, not at all. I wish I could say that. That'd be really cool. But yeah, no. well, yes, it would be. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just, uh, I was puffed up my MBA and thought I can go do this. So. It, well, I mean, a WashU MBA is a WashU MBA. It was great. You know, it was a way better experience, way more impactful in my life than I even thought at the time. I'm still so I'm curious about everyone who succeeds. And I don't know if you think that you're succeeding or not. A lot of entrepreneurs think, I'm I'm not. I'm struggling still, even though we think you're a success. But I'm so curious about the, the support system that is around you. And in those early days, what was your support system saying to you? Uh, well, my, the early days, there was no support system. Ah. It was me. 
It was me in a one-room Regis office. You know, I was the chief accountant. I was the chief administrator, the <laughs> chief engineer, on and on and on. So, but, you know, as I've kind of graduated, I've done, I've been extremely fortunate to have a really talented group of people have kind of joined me on this deal. You know, I really pride our team on being, I believe in self-governance, right? I believe high accountability. And what self-governance really is from a corporate culture standpoint is that everyone knows the mission, you know, where we're going and how we execute that mission, I leave up to very talented people, right? And then when you're highly accountable, you can give people a ton of leeway, and that's given us a ton of success. So, Josiah, everybody knows about the mighty MOX, you know, the reach of KMOX. So it strikes me that many in our listening audience live in these very rural communities you deal with. Maybe you could give a example, uh, a, a story of a, a system that you've taken over and why and what exactly happened. Yeah, exactly. I'll talk. I'll take a regional system. So there's a system up in Lincoln County that was a big housing development that happened in the early 2000s. You know, went gangbusters and the Great Recession it just crashed. Right. Uh, the wastewater treatment plant. Uh, the the original developer had kind of skimped on the structural steel in that plant, so the plant was actually structurally failing, and the community had died out in terms of expansion. Missouri Department Department of Natural Resources put a moratorium on building, so the community is now capped at like sixty five houses, right, with plans for much more. We came into that situation. Uh, we're, you know, came, got a contract with the owner and a home builder came in and said, hey, if we fix the water and wastewater system, he'll redo the neighborhood, start building homes. So we uh, went for approval for that system. Well, in the, in the midst of just getting approval from the state to buy the system, the system almost collapsed structurally. So we had to go get a local contractor who put a steel exoskeleton, a temporary one, inside the plant to keep it running. Well, the great you know story, how that story ends is after a year and a half of a ton of work on the wastewater plant, the moratorium was lifted. The community has quintupled in size now, right? Home prices have gone up. The clubhouse has gotten fixed. It's like a country music album in reverse, right? <laughs> the streets are better, you name it. So great success story and a great picture of like, that's how bad infrastructure is and how reinvestment really can change the community. What has surprised you most about this journey? You know, the crazy things you've seen in rural America. I mean, I, I was in Arizona touring a water system and I was looking at what looked like pool tabs going into a drinking water system. And I, I looked at them like, oh, this is their disinfection system. They're using pool, yeah, pool tabs. Like I mean, swimming pool swimming tabs. Swimming pool tabs, yes. right? Which obviously is not regulatorily approved, right? <laughs> not, not, not totally wise. I mean, I've seen everything. I've seen dead calves in dis- disinfection chambers. I've seen... Excuse me? Oh, I mean, you know, where a, a plant's been abandoned and there's a local farm field beside it and some cow wanders in and dies in the wastewater plant. Oh. And it's so neglected that no one's known that for a year, for however long time, you know. So it is that kind of stuff, like the abject failure of some of the infrastructure has been shocking, right? That's one of the things. And it's every time I think I've seen the worst, it, there's something else. Wow. So last year, 2022, you executed on 80 deals across, what, 10 states. What is the long-term play for central states? And specifically, what are your goals? Yeah, I mean, there, it's interesting. By the end of last year, we were uh, we owned eight hundred something plants, right? We're the single largest individual owner of wastewater treatment plants in the United States, right? So no one owns more than us. And I think at eight hundred, we're less than one percent of the total plants in the United States. There's so much work to go do. So from really our perspective, one of the things I love to say is like we love what we do, and the fact that we're changing these communities. We don't run on love. Obviously, we got to turn a profit, right? But there is a ton of work to do. So really, from our 
perspective, we want to keep growing the business. We're getting into kind of larger deals, some towns, municipalities that need to privatize to get out of the business is kind of the next phase for us as we look across the country. Have you had become so known that there are those failing systems that people are reaching out to you. Yeah, absolutely. We, we, it kind of starts a virtuous circle. You know, we go into a state, we turn around some systems, we prove to both the regulators and the communities that we're a trusted partner, that we can take these really, these kind of disastrous situations and turn them around. And that in turn causes people to call us, say, hey, we've got a problem, or refer to us, hey, we know these guys who won't step into a situation like this. And, and are you are you meant to be profitable because it is a regulated utility? Yeah, we're, we're regulating our profit from the states, the individual states we operate in. So we get a regulated return. So we're not like a computer company gets these exponential returns, right. but it's a steady return, right, over a long period of time. This is a long-term play. Infrastructure is a 20-year a business at the at the short end. So, Josiah, you said, said something that my draw, jaw dropped. You've done 800 systems in your relatively short 10-year existence. So talk about culture. Talk about adding teammates to this because you got to have people to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And we got a high functioning team, right? So one of the things, you know, we've actually not hired very many people from the utility industry, right? And that's just because utility industry typically focuses on large systems with high operational needs and really doesn't have that kind of fast paced M&A activity that we need to do a bunch of small deals. So the things we've done is, you know, empowered people to make decisions on the ground, become subject matter experts on small water and wastewater in a way that probably the best in the country now when it comes to small water and wastewater systems, and then foster, you know, people being able to see the fruits of their labor, right? So we're... We, you know, high reward type company where people actually get to one see the work they do, how how it comes together, and they actually get their efforts rewarded in the utility company, which is not always the case. So that's been really key for us, and we have to systematize everything. Yeah, everything we do has got to be repeatable, right? So we've got to go look at it, draw every lesson we can from it, book that stuff because we know we're going to see it again and use that information again. And that's really been key for us as well. So you're the McDonald's of wastewater treatment facilities uh, in your McDon- training manual? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're the McDonald's of regulatory responses in understanding how to answer every question. That is the voice of Josiah Cox. He is the president of Central States Water, and he is with us on PNCC Speak, the language of executives. To listen to part two of this month's interview and any previous C-Speak episodes you might have missed, go to kmox.com slash PNC C-Speak. PNC C-Speak, the language of executives.